0: hello everybody uh, welcome to this monday edition of the call 10 stocks that you've suggested we take a look at i put them to an expert panel for their adjudication we do it all in 60 minutes it's always a great way to kick off the afternoon here on ausbiz live from our Brangaroo studios great to have your company and uh, terrific list of um of stocks to get through really diverse and some really good questions from you surrounding Many of the stocks, uh, this half hour, we're going to kick off Look here at IGO, Aventus Group, Carsales.com, NAB, and also Midway. And uh, joining us on the panel today, Francesco destratus from Ord Minute and Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to Monday. Great to have you on the call for the next 60 minutes or so.
1: Yeah, great to be here. Hello,
2: yeah, go. Yeah, likewise, though.
0: Um, As you you see, we've got an interesting list of stocks to get through, really diverse. But I thought, as usual, we'd look at a stock of the day, something that's uh, in the headlines this morning. And South 32 shares taking a bit of a hit after posting a 24% drop in its second quarter metallurgical coal output, joining its peers like BHP and Rio, warning of labor shortage disruptions due to COVID. Uh, Looking ahead, the miner is sticking with its fiscal 2022 uh, coal output guidance, but has cut manganese ore guidance, citing adverse weather and workforce constraints. Uh, Chief Executive Graham Kerr says supply chain issues stemming from port congestion has continued, specifically for its smelters in Southern Africa. Um, It's searching for alternative solutions. Um, It's uh, Howard Coleman. becoming a bit of a, a common theme, whether you're in hospitality or the mining industry or right across the board, uh, is um, labour disruption. And it's flowing through to the bottom line. What What do you think of the update and also of South 32 as a stock?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, uh, Australia got away without terrible labour shortages for many years because we took in a lot of immigrants. Mm. And now we've stopped taking the immigrants in. and. Uh, Obviously, that's creating these labour shortages, but South32. The, the problem from a team invest perspective always is these mining companies, you can never, ever know what their earnings per share are going to be like in the future. Because it depends largely on two things, one of which is outside their control. One is how well they run the company that's inside their control. But then outside of their control is what are the commodity prices of the various commodities they produce. They've got to invest a huge amount of money up front digging holes, um, building plant, um, etc., uh, in order to somewhere down the track sell this stuff at a price that they have no idea what it's going to be in the future. And uh, on that basis, um, doesn't pass our kind of filters that we look at because we want to be virtually sure that earnings per share will be materially higher down the track, mm. because that's mm. the only way we can be virtually sure the dividends will be higher and that capital appreciation will happen.
0: Yeah, and um, Francesco, uh, what do the odds analysts think of uh, of South 32's report today and, and also the stock at these levels?
2: Yeah, so focusing on the report to start with, we think the results are fairly mixed. I mean, we're starting to see a bit of a trend within the sector. Uh, where you know, COVID uh, supply chain issues are occurring, uh, and also some, there's uh, issues with weather as well. So so that's flowing through, it uh, looks like the whole sector. Um, the share price is down about 5%, but you've got to remember the share price has rallied significantly over the last sort of four or five months. So uh, it's probably a little bit of bad news it deserves a little bit of a pullback. Um, looking at it across the diversified sector, I, I, think, I think it presents really good value here. Um, share price might get a little bit weaker with the, uh, um, you know, the weakness in the general market overall. Um, but um, you know, it's trading on, on, on a PE of about uh, uh, we're seeing about five, six times earnings at the moment, um, and delivering a dividend of around about eight percent fully wow. Um And that's over the next two to three years expected from our analysts. So. Um, it's caught up a bit to the, the, the bigger ones like BHP and Rio. So I think it offers good value, um, you know, looking to buy, we do have a buy recommendation on it. Um, i would give it a little bit of time and, and let, it, let a bit of the negativity from the production numbers settle in. Uh, whether you wait to um, see their um, the reporting season results come out or buy before it depends on your risk profile, I would suppose, um, but I, I think it create, it's presenting reasonable value. Um, and the overall market weakness at the moment might present a bit of buying opportunity as well.
0: Gee, Francesco, the, these miners, eight percent fully frank dividend. By me, that hasn't occurred for a while, <laughs> has it?
2: No. <laughs> uh, well, we, I mean, if you look at Fortescue, you know, last year they delivered sort of double-digit um, um, dividend yield plus ranking on top. Uh, you're not always going to get that. Um, th- this is a fairly unique period, I think, with um, you know commodity prices. Fairly elevated. Howard's right. Yeah, you, you know, commodity prices are going to move around. and They are out of their control, um, just like COVID's out of everyone's control as well. But um, you know, our analysts have uh, you know put in their long-term uh, commodity price forecasts, and, and they're obviously softer than spot prices. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of cash flow coming through these businesses at the moment, which helps them deliver these these um, you know very large dividend yields.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um,
2: well, I might just add to that. In the past, you know, some of these companies would retain a lot of their earnings rather than pay it out, uh, invest in new mines, um, and you know, if we go back 10 years, 10, you know, eight years ago, um, you know, BHP we were offloading a lot of, uh, I suppose, you know, assets that weren't T1. Um, so, so you know, management, you've got to rely on management making good acquisitions, and that didn't occur back then. So, uh, I think what what management is doing now is saying, well. Yeah, we'll pay it
0: out and let the investor, um, you know, invest in new mines somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. Uh, it's a, it's been being put to me that resource stocks, when they get too much money, make terrible decisions because they usually buy at the top of the market. And it's good the accountants seem to be running these big resource stocks at the moment. Howard and saying, "Let's pay it out in dividends." Yeah.
1: Um, the only disadvantage, of course, is that. If they're not investing in new mines, um it's a wasting resource you know if you're invested in a company that uh is not a wasting resource um if they grow their earnings the chances are they'll grow them even more the following year but when it's a wasting resource with each year that passes the commodity that they're now extracting is probably a higher cost than the one that they'd already done simply because they usually extracted the cheapest and easiest first
0: Ah, right. Absolutely. absolutely. All right, let's get into the stocks that uh, you want us to take a look at. And Francesco, we're going to stick with the resource area. First up, Daniel wants a view on IGO, the big uh, nickel, copper and zinc mining, uh, cobalt as well, Western Australia, Northern Territory, South Australia and Greenland. Uh, They've got a bit in lithium as well, don't they? Um, Which has uh, uh, pushed their share price up uh, since... Lithium has been hot as well. Uh, what's the odds view on IGO?
2: Yeah, well, we, we've got a lot on this stock. Um, you're right, yeah. You know, but a lot of these, you know, diversified miners you know, that um, probably, you know, a little bit further down the scale than, you, than, than you, your large tier ones, um, you know, they're all moving into some sort of lithium exposure. Um, but, you know, we're looking at some time away before we start seeing any, any results from that. So, yes. You know, announcing that and working on those sort of things adds a bit of value to the share price. But you know, we're looking at a stock here that's that's trading at you know um, a, a PE of you know twenty-two and a half times, wow. twenty-nine for the next wow. year. You know, and you compare that to what we just spoke about with South Thirty Two and potentially BHP and Rio. Um, the valuation doesn't stack up. The share prices perform quite well, um, and I, I'd put on the back of that uh, part of that would be the lithium. Uh, yep. you, you know euphoria behind the lithium uh, investments um, i'd be looking at taking, taking profits at these levels
0: okay all right look at that share price doubled in the last year howard what do you think of igo similar theme to south 32 hard to predict
1: yeah but worse because um, as francesca said it's not a very high pe we don't use forward PEs. we use the numbers that they've actually announced to the market as real earnings because we know they write that rather than have to rely on our best estimation of the one going forward. And on that basis, IGO is trading on a 71 times PE, which for a mining company is mind bogglingly high. I mean, you could buy any of the much more successful miners, uh, Fortescue, BHP, Rio, any of them on a PE much less than that. So, uh, you know, it's got low return on equity. Some of the miners have got much higher return on equity. Its return on equity the last three years has been 3.8%, 7.9%, and 4%. That's not the signs of a wealth winner. Um, And, uh, you know, earnings are lower in this last year than they'd been in some previous years before that. Um, Definitely not one that Team Invest members would spend more than two or three seconds glancing at and saying, nah, nah, better value elsewhere. Uh, right. let's not even waste our time talking about it would
0: be the view okay all right let's go from uh, resources now to uh to the property market and alex and kerry both want to view uh howard on Aventus group this is the um the owner and manager of of big format retail stores they've got about 20 centers uh around australia um alex and kerry say just wondering about the panel's thoughts on Aventus. Um, held it for a while with my investment up 28%. Is it a buy, hold or sell in regards to these merger talks with HomeCo? Is it time to take some profits or or maybe see out the merger, Howard? What do you think uh, Alex and Carrie should
1: do? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing you need to bear in mind um, with, these, with all these property trusts or similar at the moment is the fact that interest rates have been extraordinarily low, which means the capital value attributed to the property is incredibly high. Now we know that interest rates are on their way up, inflation's on the way up, interest rates are on the way up. That's going to mean that cap values of properties are going to come tumbling down. Now whether they're on their own or whether the merger goes ahead, it's not going to change the uh, major uh, uh, valuation metric for properties and that is the interest rate and it, like most property trusts it's got relatively low return on equity recently because interest rates have been so low um and earnings are growing uh, but but not all that fast in the last couple of years so i would say with increasing interest rates this is a sector that one wants to be very careful about because the cap rates will come down uh, as time goes by
0: right and you can see that uh, that adjustment just in the last uh, week or two. Uh, Francesco, what do you think of a vendors?
2: Yeah, look, um, oh, look. it looks like all the approvals are gone true. So um, would I be buying or, or selling? holding? Um, if you own it, I'd probably hold it at this point of um, time. Right. There is an argument to buy it, um, but you've got to take into consideration a number of factors. So, so, you know, it is a script bid plus cash or a script bid plus script in another uh, associated entity. Um, if I look at the numbers that I did this morning uh, on the uh, on the takeover, you're looking at um, you know if, if if a shareholder took the uh, script plus cash, they're looking at 3.36 as opposed to 3.27, where the stock is trading at now. So there's an argument that you could potentially buy um, and um, uh, obviously reap a little bit of uh, arbitrage out of that. Um, but there's a lot of risk involved in that. Share price could come off after the, uh, after the, the, the merger goes ahead and so forth. So, um, look, there's, there's potential argument for buying a little bit of it. Um, if you own it, I'd hold it. Um, would I take the risk for that small percentage gain? Um, well, it depends. I'd I, I want a bit more knowledge. Uh, you know, I'm not that overly exposed to, to property as well as you know, how it points out. You know, we're expecting rates to rise, and that has a um, negligible or negative effect on the property trust sector. Um, I don't mind the space, though, big format retail, uh, as opposed to uh, your, your, your discretionary retail or your large format um, discretionary retail side of things, like your Westfields and so forth. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm indifferent. There's better better places to put your money if you're in there. Yeah, there's
0: arguments to stay there for the post-merger because it's a little bit more value. Okay. All right. There you go, um, um, Alex and Kerry. Thank you for that. Um, Lawrence Francesco wants a view on carsales.com, the big online um, car market that uh, has been a phenomenal success. It and REA, which we're going to talk about uh, coming up in the, in the real estate market and SEEK, basically took the rivers of gold from the big traditional newspapers and took them online and uh, and have taken the idea overseas as well, Francesco, haven't they, and, and done it pretty well offshore. Oh, look, they've done a great job,
2: Carson, and, and, you know, it's a you know, significant business now, uh, and, and like you say, gone offshore is, um, you, know, uh, you know, a credit to them. But, yeah, you're looking at a stock that's trading at a, you know, over thirty times for, for next year, let alone where it's currently is, that's how I mentioned he looks at current. Um, and, and you know, yes, there's a little bit of earnings growth twenty eight times um, for the following year on our on our forward estimates. But you know, when you look at this um, you're looking at the environment, car sales in fairly it's fairly tight market at the moment with supply. Um, you know we've seen you know uh, uh, you know new cars are being delayed on the docks and, and even overseas. So um, you know, you're looking at a very slow pace of getting, you know, delivery of brand new cars. Um, so therefore, the turnover of second-hand cars is going to be slower as well. So I think there's a bit of downside there to, to that. Um, but also, if you look at the, the the sector, you know, you could be looking at potential, um, you know, competitors, new competitors to the uh, to the industry with digital retailers. Um, um, you know, where where retailers go out and um, advertise separately on their own. Um, you know, so, so there's, you know, com- competition in this space is not a lot of high barriers. So um, they've had the first mover advantage, but things start to change in the industry as well. So there's a bit of a threat to the longer term model. So we we've got a light on the stock. So I, I'd be prepared to take profits at these levels.
0: Right. Um, because Francesco as well, we, we seem to be over that bump. <laughs> of um, of used car sales, didn't we? Of used car prices going through the roof because there was a supply shortage. A lot of people sold on car sales to actually make a profit on their car, didn't they? Yeah. And that's Now yeah. it's coming back to more of a well, normal market.
2: Yeah. Well, as, as we become more and more um, used to living with COVID, which we're going to have to become accustomed to, I think, and, and our, um, I think, you know, we'll see, you know some of these logistics issues uh, and supply chain issues start to be solved because people will, you know, have gone through uh, having COVID and then be allowed back to work. So you're start to see more and more movement of goods around. So I, I think the supply side shortages uh, and logistics issues uh, will be solved over the next 12-18 months mm. as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Howard, what do you think of car sales?
1: Yeah, look, this is a terrific business. Um I, in fact, better say at the beginning, I own it and I have done for many, many, many years. Um, it's got high return on equity. It's got no debt worth m- noticing. Its earnings have been growing. It's now got a quite significant business in Korea. It's building up in um, Brazil, uh, in Mexico, in Argentina. It's recently made an acquisition that gets it into the market in the US. And these sort of digital companies have a network moat as long as they're the biggest in the country they're in. And they've grown to be the biggest in Australia, which gives them this network moat, which means their competitors always at a disadvantage, uh, unless they do something stupid themselves. Ditto in Korea, they've now reached the point of having a network moat and they're building towards that in the other countries. But as Francesco said, it's a bit expensive. So while I own the company, Uh, On the way we look at PE's, which is trading PE's, it's on a PE of just over 40. Now, if I look back over 10 years, every single solitary one of those years in the last 10 years, you could have bought this company at a PE of considerably less than that. In fact, Mm. the Mm. highest year in the 10 years, you would have paid no more than about 33 times uh, to buy some shares in this company. Um, As long as you bought it during the year when the PE wasn't at its peak and at the moment it's over 40 so I love the company I'm an enthusiastic holder and if the PE came down significantly again to the range where I've normally been buying I'd be happy to buy some more of them and I think that would apply to most team invest members but I don't think any of our team invest members would be currently Buyers so love the company, don't like the price.
0: Right, okay. <laughs> wait, wait for the dips. One to put on your watch list if there's a big pullback in the markets. Absolutely, your little buying. All right, um, Howard. Sandy wants a view on NAB, and uh, Sandy poses a really good question. I bought NAB and CBA in the lows of 2020 after the sort of pandemic crash, if you like. Uh, Sandy says, love the dividend but would my money be better placed elsewhere in this current environment?
1: Yeah, and in fact, that's always a very good question for people who own um, bank shares, and well done, Sandy, for buying them at the low rather than buying them at the high. The problem with the banks is there's been, uh, except for Commonwealth Bank, there's been no capital appreciation for well over a decade. And in fact, I sold out of NAB. In about 2005, it may have been 2003, it was anyway well before the GFC. At the time, I got about $38 a share. And the share price today is significantly lower than that $38 a share, $28 a share. Now, in that time, roughly 15 years, we've had about 50% inflation. So my $38 would be $76 roughly and the share price is 28 so you kid yourself that you're getting a really good dividend yield but what you're really being paid is some of your own capital back throughout that time i mean that's not officially the way it's done from an accounting point of view yeah. but that's yeah. the reality now at about the same time that i sold my nab shares somebody pointed out to me that um, well howard you own csl don't you and i said yes and he said but it pays such a measly dividend Well, the interesting thing is my dividend that I'm now getting from CSL in dollar terms, not the percentage yield, but in dollar terms is greater than I would have been getting today per year from NAB if I'd kept my NAB shares. In other words, if you're buying a share purely for the percentage yield as opposed to the dollar value of the dividend, and it's not a well-run company and its share price doesn't go up faster than inflation, in the long term, you're far worse off than Mm. buying a company that's a great business with a lower dividend yield. So uh, I'm very pleased indeed that I kept my NAB, I mean, kept my CSL and sold my NAB. Uh, I would have been a lot worse off the other way around. Just by the way, at that time, NAB was, the CSL was $51 and it's since had a three to one share split, so $17. It's... Value today is, I don't know, 270-odd dollars. Yes, the dividend percentage yields been low, but look at how much money you've made out of it in the interim.
0: Yeah. Do you take the same view with all the big four banks?
1: Absolutely. The only one that the share price has grown faster than inflation uh, over the last 15 years is Commonwealth Bank. All the others have not kept up with inflation, so your capital value has shrunk while you kidded yourself, you were getting a good dividend.
0: Right. Okay, Francesco, what's the, the view on that?
2: Yeah, how it's a bit right on the performance of the banks over the last sort of five, 10 years. They've been
1: reasonably ordinary.
2: Um, but you know, our, our, our philosophy is you, you need to have a diversified portfolio. And um, as much as uh, you know, the performance has been waning over the number of years. Um, it does make up a very large part of our market and our economy. So. We feel that you do need to have some exposure. I wouldn't be overly overexposed to banks at this point in time, because um, you know, looking at the banks that um, that Sandy's bought, you know, CBA uh, on that one, I, I'd be prepared to take a little bit of profit off the table on that one. The trades on you know 19 times earnings. There's not a lot of growth in it. You know, 19 times, you'd expect to see some sort of level of growth uh, in earnings um, over the next two to three years, and. Um, we don't see that happening with with CBA. Yes, um, it's going to pay you a dividend, and you're pretty certain you're going to get it. Um, but the yield on CBA is nowhere near as attractive as um, you know the other three larger banks. Um, we we would say NAB. On the other hand, look, we we're happy to hold that NAB, and we've got an accumulate reckon, recommendation on that. Um, it's it's probably fairly valued at the moment. Um, the dividend yield's um, pretty normal around. A Four and a half to five percent with franking, so um, I'd be happy to hold the NAB at the moment, and um, yeah, probably lighten or, or, or sell off your CBA because it is expensive. We're about to move into a an environment where we're going to see rising interest rates. I think that's inevitable. Um, um, in a rising interest rate environment, we start to see provisioning for bad and doubtful debt start to increase. So that works as a negative on their earnings. Uh, but on the flip side, when when rates start to rise. Um, banks are able to increase their margins a lot quicker as well. So I I, I think that probably will will outweigh uh, the provisioning and and the experience of um, bad and double debts.
0: Okay. All right. There you go. Sandy, thank you for the uh, suggestion on that. Um, Francesco Asher wants a view on Midway, the Australian forestry company uh, based around Geelong. They're into uh, wood fibre, wood chip, Um, if you like, and they have hardwood plantations. Um, What do you think of uh, Midway?
2: Yeah, and uh, thank you, Asher, for for raising this one. It's sort of flown below the radar. Uh, For me, it hasn't come up in my filters uh, in recent uh, recent times and and potentially should have. Um, Look, um, we've got a buy recommendation on the stock. Um, You know, there's been two years of headwinds in this business. Um, and, and had some issues with some new ventures. But they appear to have um, uh, resolved those problems and they look a bit behind them. So it does look appealing. Um, it, it does trade on a um, um, 22 times earnings for, for, for next year. But our analyst has got um, earnings increasing by a bit over 150% wow. um, and then stabilising into 2023. Yeah, but you've got to appreciate over the last two years that their earnings have been um, a lot lower than um, where they've normally been. So they're getting back to some sort of normality. Uh, and the share prices waned because of those two years. Um, and, and, you know, expecting a dividend yield of about 3.5% uh, percent, um, over the next 12 months and maybe about six in the year after that, because, again, similar to other material stocks, albeit this is in the forestry side of things, um, they tend to um, you know want to pay out more of their um, uh, earnings rather than retain them. Um, Ariel sees five main drivers for the stock, um, a recovery in pulp prices, um, outlook for wood chip export volumes to be increasing and that's promising for them. Um, logistics problems to be addressed. Uh, and that comes back to those COVID issues I mentioned earlier. Um, capital investment to drive a bit of growth um, and the potential of some, some, some asset sales that could uh, uh, materialise some some value in the company. So um, we like the stock, we've got a buy recommendation mm, on it. Okay
0: uh howard what do you think of midway
1: yeah i mean we're not into stocks that are losing money for the last two years but have a wonderful story as to how they're going to be making money in the future um you know you the 2200 companies on the asx in order to have a really good portfolio you need maybe 20 25 of them in your portfolio so you might as well look for the absolutely best businesses on the stock exchange Anything other than, that, other than that is diversifying, not diversifying. And that's my problem with any companies that don't make a profit. It's also my problem with NAB before when we spoke about the banks. You wouldn't put NAB or Midway in your 25 best companies you could possibly own on the stock exchange. And therefore, on a five-year or 10-year basis, when you're looking ahead, why would you want to own poor companies just because there's this lovely word, diversification. Uh, You know, if you think, forget the stock exchange, I've spent most of my life in business, in private businesses. If you owned a really, really good business and down the road from you, there was a really awful business for sale that didn't make much money and that really struggled to operate, you wouldn't say, oh, goody, there's an opportunity to diversify. I'll take some of the money out of my great business and put it in a terrible business. And that way around, I can say, uh, like Modigliani, uh, I, I've diversified my business.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, well, it's a very good point and a good way of looking at it. Let's uh, recap the first five stocks, our stock of the day. Uh, South 32, odds have uh, an accumulate on it, uh, a no from Howard. Uh, IGO, a no from, uh, from Howard and Francesco. Uh, would be lightening at these levels. Aventus, a hold from uh, Ords. Francesco and Ords, uh, a no from Howard. Uh, Car sales, Howard loves the business. Owns stock in it, but at these share prices, really isn't worth it. And uh, um, also um, uh, Ords have a lighten on car sales as well. Nab a hold from Francesco, a no from Howard and Midway, a yes from, uh, there's a buy from Ords and a no from Howard. Uh, coming up in this half hour, uh, some really uh, uh, interesting stocks, REA. Um, Linus, uh, been really hot, lot of hot money in it. Uh, Brett has a really interesting question about trading in Linus at the moment. Uh, Star Entertainment, Corporate Travel, and also Eagers are the five stocks that we're going to be taking a look at. Um, Francesco, um, we've had already looked at car sales. Uh, basically, REA does the same thing in um, in the property market. What's the odds view on REA Group? I
2: think it's expensive. Um, I, you know, trading on very high PEs. But you know, tech stocks. And look, uh, this is classified sometimes as tech stock, but it's more of a media stock. You know, they use technology yep. to to buy their trade. So. I wouldn't call it a tech start. It does trade. And you know, we've got it on 53 times for, for, for 2022. I don't know what it is for its current, um, but I'd imagine it'd be uh, slightly higher than that. Um, I think their market, you know, there might be some regulatory action uh, to curb house price rises. Um, and t- when you have a rising uh, house price market, uh, you tend to see a lot more um, stock come on the market. Um, uh, when that reverses, um, and it potentially has, has the potential in a rising interest rate market and with uh, some regulatory action, um, you know, then you'll start to see supply start to wane. And obviously they want more supply on market turnover. So we, we, I mean, we've got a hold on the stock. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how the post um, you know, COVID lockdown market tends, uh, may increase slightly, but I, I think uh, there's too many headwinds uh, in the future for them. Uh, over the next two to three, maybe two to three years. So Mm. uh, I'd be uh, old or even take some profits on
0: them. Okay. Um, Howard, what do you think of REA? It's an interesting business model, isn't it? Because they make most of their profits on premium listings, don't they? That you pay a bit extra, that your property gets um, uh, a better position on the platform. And if you go through a property boom that we've just gone through, so you don't really need a premium because there are plenty of buyers. When the market softens a bit, is that when you make a better margin?
1: Yeah, and in fact, the interesting thing, by the way, to start with, let me say I agree with Francesco that it's on a ridiculously high PE and I'll come back to that in a moment. But yes, um, Aurea, because they're really a media stock, as Francesco pointed out, The longer the people are advertising a property on their platform the more money they make Mm. so when houses are selling really fast yes there may be a lot more stock on the platform but it doesn't stay there long Mm. on the other Mm. hand when houses aren't selling very fast and people are struggling to move a property that they want to sell they may have fewer properties on the platform but they fewer new ones coming onto the platform but because they sit there for a very long time and people are inclined to pay for premium listings, as you mentioned, David, the reality can actually be that in a souring property market, they actually have more properties for longer on the platform because they don't sell. So they may in fact make more money. However, coming back to the PE or just before that, it's got very high return on equity as you'd expect. It's got a network mode biggest in Australia. Um, It's got low debt. Its earnings have been growing. But every year for the past 10 years, you could have bought it on a lower PE for some of the year than it's currently sitting at. It's now sitting on a trailing PE, as Francesca pointed out, we look at it differently, of 60. And every year for the past 10 years, its trailing PE has had a low of significantly lower than 60. In fact, uh, it's been 42 or less every year for 10 years. Hmm. So it would need to come down in price quite significantly to be at the sort of PE ratios um, that it has been at every year for the last 10 years. So terrific company, all the metrics look good, but again, like with car sales, and this one even more so than car sales, uh, the share price is just too high at the moment. And you know, another quick thing on that, if you look back through the history of stock markets of sort of 150 odd years, pe ratios of more than about 40 have never been sustainable mm-hmm. so when a company's is at a pe ratio of more than 40 it's almost never lasted for long right PE's got up really high in japan in 1990 they've never got anywhere close to them since they got up really high on hardly profitable or not unprofitable companies in the dot-com era um they certainly didn't prove sustainable and so on all the way back to the great depression before the great depression 1920s um and p ratios of many companies at the moment are way above 40 and almost certain in a few years time they'll be significantly yeah. lower than they are today
0: all right um now brett howard wants a view on linus the big rare earths miner one of the the darlings of the market brett says It's been going up for some time, has hot money. Um, It's just released an earnings update. uh, And there's been a change in substantial holdings that show one big institution using algorithmic trading to both buy and sell simultaneously, which resulted in a $70 million profit in a couple of months. Do these algorithms distort, uh, distort the market? as they can buy push up the price retail investors then engage then the algorithm sell for a profit the result is that poor old retail investors are taken for a very expensive ride on uh, naivety um it's a really good point yeah. by brett with a stock like this is it?
1: yeah and in fact the naivety is surprising because if you said to a group of people out there in society if For example, your local Westfield had a special promotion on where every shop in Westfield was selling things at higher prices than they normally would. In other words, an anti-sale, the exact opposite of a sale. So instead of the Boxing Day sales, they had a special day in the year where they said, come and buy everything. Everything is at much higher prices because we think we should mark them up and sell them for more. I would think the shopping centre would be empty. So the fact that people buy things when they go up in price is exactly the antithesis of what you should be doing as an intelligent investor you want to buy a piece of a company at the lowest price that you can buy that piece of the company or at least what you think will be the lowest price you'll never get it exactly right but you certainly don't want to be buying it just to follow the lemmings who buying it when it's at especially high prices So the algorithmic traders succeed because there's a lot of people out there who are very naive and do silly things. Now, people often say to me, but isn't it the smart money pushing up the share price? I don't know. If people are buying things when they're getting more expensive, that sounds like dumb money to me rather than smart money. The smart money is buying when everybody else says, Oh, this share price is going down, but you know the company well enough to know that it's a really great business. So um, all I can say to uh, Brett is don't follow the dumb money. Look for companies that the share price has been falling, but the business itself is doing really well. Don't look for companies where the share price is rising. Coming back to Linus, like all commodity producers, it's impossible to know what it's going to earn in a few years time. And in the last 10 years, it's had three years where it's made a profit, seven years where it's made a loss. And if it was the last three years, you'd say, well, that's not too bad. But it's not. Um, one of the last four years, it's made a loss. And all the years before that, it's made a loss. So Team Invest members would look at this mm. and say, there's no way this could be one of the 25 best companies on the stock exchange.
0: Right. Um, Francesco, what do you think of Linus? It it has been built up, has a, a, along with a lot of other stocks in that rare earth lithium sector.
2: Well, I might talk about the Algo trading before I go into what Linus, um, yeah. and uh, I've, I've got a name for you, um, antithesis of uh, Boxing Day sales there, Howard, April Fools' day sale movie. Um, <laughs> um, look, there's the, the different investors in the market, and there's different motivations, and I think you'll find these Algo traders are more traders rather than investors. So there's yeah. a difference in their motivation. A different uh, timing when they'll buy and when they sell. But, you know, our, our algo traders may create more liquidity. And I think when there's more liquidity in a market, you know, uh, you know, theoretically, it should be more efficient, number one. Um, uh, algorithm traders, you know, the algorithms can get it wrong too, because it's only a, a human being that's actually um, uh, written the algorithm to, to, to trade in the market. Um, and sometimes they can get it wrong too. Um, and when markets move dramatically, there's a number of things that could happen. The algorithm, you know, if, if a market's getting sold down very quickly and people are bailing out of it, um, the algorithm trader could be buying up all the stock that, that retail, uh, retailers are selling and bailing out of the stock. So, so I think it works both ways for them. But, um, you know, uh, you know, the thing to remember is that, you know, it does add to the liquidity. Um, and when a retail investor wants to get out, there is liquidity there. Um, and then the other thing is, the ASX has you know, buffers for, you know, if the stock moves too far, they do question the stock and pause it from trading occasionally. So, they're the things to look for with those types of stocks. On Linus, um, I'm with Howard, you know, the stock's just risen dramatically. Uh, you know, we've got a lightening on the stock. Um, you know, looking at the, the you know, investors are, are pricing in a combination of, um, you know, production growth and, and sustained high prices. Well, they don't work hand in hand. Obviously, with prices, it's driven by supply and demand. Yes, demand for for the, the, you know, the rare earths is growing, but not at a rate that potential the supply is going to come on. Um, So, you know, we're seeing, you know, prices at potentially 10-year highs at the moment. Um, I I think, you know, this can't go on forever. We'll start to see supply coming on. Uh, That'll put a bit of downward pressure on prices. And I think you'll see a bit of snowball there. So I'd be prepared to take profits on on lines at levels. All
0: right, You've had a good run if you've been it. that's for sure. Francesco yeah. Nathan wants to view on, on Star Entertainment, the uh, the big accommodation and and casino operator.
2: Yeah, look, all, all of these types of stocks have come under a significant pressure uh, because of COVID. So you know their earnings are are, are are lower than they were two years ago, and in some cases uh, can be potentially negative. Um, you know we've got to see uh, signs of. Um, I, I think us being able to live with this COVID and be able to socialise and, and, and entertain, become entertained. So, so, that's a hard thing with, with um, you know, some of these gaming stocks. But one thing I have seen, and the in some anecdotal evidence, when we first came out of lockdown, it was about a year, a year and a half ago, um, there was lineups at, at uh, Canterbury Leagues Club. And were, you know, the news report basically said they're lining up a you know, schooner. Well, I can tell you they were lining up to play the poker machines. Um, I've had some friends go to Star City and City uh, over the last two weekends. Um, they uh, gave me feedback that, you know, potentially it's difficult to get a spot on a blackjack table because, um, you know, I'm not sure whether they're running at lower numbers at tables, but there's a lot of people in there gambling. So as as um, we uh, come out of COVID or become more accustomed to it, uh, of, of living with it, um, I think you'll find that companies like uh, you know, South 32 and Crown, um, potentially we'll see some significant growth in earnings. I think the share prices will follow that. So, you know, we've got to accumulate on Star. Um, you know, it's on a, about 78 times, this, you know, next year, but, you know, that drops down to about 14 times uh, the following year. Um, all things being equal, that uh, you know, things get back to normal covid wise
0: mm, Okay, um, Howard, what do you think of Star? We'll, we'll- you know, everyone has their own separate ESG filter that they put over over stocks like that, and that's that's up to individual investors to to see whether it lines with with their own values. But sure. from an investment point of view, um, how's yeah, I mean, I don't
1: know from a point of view, what it does. But I mean, that's a separate issue for me, and everybody's quite entitled to do differently. Yep. Um, looking at it from an investment point of view. Uh, Obviously, as Francesco says, they've been clearly hit by COVID. But the interesting thing is, if you look at 10 years' worth of history, of which eight of those years were pre-COVID, they weren't doing very well then either. Um, Their earnings, firstly, their return on equity has always been low. The entire 10 years, it's been low. Their earnings per share in 2012, 13, 14, 15, etc., all those years before COVID, wasn't much higher than their earnings per share now. So although the earnings per share has been hit by COVID, it certainly wasn't growing um, at any rate that was exciting um, pre-COVID. So if you look at this company and you say, putting COVID aside, is it a particularly well-run business? It doesn't appear to be. Now, the strange thing is casino operators normally are pretty much guaranteed to be profitable. The whole system is designed with algorithms to ensure that there's a small percentage on all the money that changes hands. And the more money that changes hands, the higher the velocity of money in a casino, um, the more money they make. And they should be able to predict in advance how much. And in fact, uh, one of my Harvard classmates owned a chain of casinos in the U S until he retired. And um, he would always explain to our Harvard class that if he was given the number of people who had walked through the doors, in the casino for the day his computer could spit out how much money they probably made in profit that day and it would be within a very small percentage huh. margin correct wow. they huh. simply needed to know how many people walked in um, and um, so on that basis Star is a fairly um, disappointing looking business for a casino operator so my suggestion would be for those who are comfortable owning these sort of companies, as I say, I, I don't and I don't think any team invest members do. But but if you are, look for one that's got a higher return on equity than Star Group and that the earnings have been growing pre-COVID uh, at a much better rate than Star.
0: OK. All right, Nathan, thank you for that. Uh, Howard, Alistair wants a view on uh, corporate travel. Uh, the big corporate travel agency recently closed uh, a share purchase plan uh, at around $21 a share. What do you think of corporate travel?
1: Look, this is probably the best run business travel uh, agency anywhere uh, worldwide. And because they had cash, they've now been able to buy two competitors, one in the US, one here. And that the, the, the second one, the one here was why they did a capital raising. The unfortunate thing with the capital raising is because we then had the Omicron wave as well, the share price came down and in actual fact, um, taking up the um, uh, offer wasn't all that exciting. Now, I own corporate travel and I took up the first capital raising, which was at a much lower price uh, earlier in COVID. And I've owned this company for years. I'm very enthused about it. Pre-COVID, it had very high return on equity. Earnings were growing fast, low debt. Um, But at $21, I looked at it and I said, how many times in the last year could I have bought it cheaper than $21? And the result was almost all the time. So I didn't take up um, that uh, $21 offer. Um, In retrospect, it looks like it was wise because I could have bought them today for fractionally less. Um, uh, I didn't know that was going to happen. But the, the, the point is, when you get an SPP offer, have a look and see... Over the past year, could you have bought it at less than the the SPP offer? If the answer is yes, quite regularly, why take up the SPP? If the answer is no, almost never, well, then the SPP is at a decent price. Now, when they set the price at $21, they didn't know there was going to be the Omicron wave. And unfortunately, the share price dropped right towards the end. Otherwise, the VWAP that was the lower of $21 or the VWAP um, would, would have meant you would have got it to the Middle East anyway. So, no, I didn't take it up, but I think it's a terrific business.
0: Okay. Uh, Francesco? Yeah, look, I'm with Howard. I think
1: it's great business stuff. Um, you,
2: know, looking, you know, looking at the type of business it does, you know, it, it's, you know, corporate travel means that when, when uh, things do eventually, potentially get back to normal, um, you'll find that, um, you know, retail travellers or, or consumer travellers, uh, will be probably a bit slower in the uptake of, of traveling you're going to have people that will just jump on a plane and go anywhere anytime um, but you know there's those that are a bit more conservative instead of you know having an overseas holiday um, you know they might put it off for a year or two but with corporate travel you know when business gets back up and running they need to need to operate and uh, you know these the, the companies all have deals with um, you know the travel agency so they need to use the agency to do the traveling where you know you know, consumer travel. You know, sometimes people just do it themselves. So I, I like I like the business model. Um, I've met management um, early in the piece when they first um, um, were, were, you know started business. They had business in Australia and the US. Um, they've grown through a lot of acquisition, uh, which is always a risk. But know, um, yeah, they've seemed to be able to manage that quite well. So you know, the acquisition of the uh, Hello World corporate division uh, mm. looks like a very good acquisition. Um, um, and as with a number of these stocks that we've mentioned. Um, you know, we just mentioned the casinos, their earnings are, are down at the moment because of restrictions uh, of, 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 you know, you know socialising. Um, you know, same with corporate travel, their earnings are very low at the moment. Um, you know, the share purchase plan, it's closed. So if you've taken it up, I, I, I look, you know, you've taken it up at $21. I think, you know, if you're a medium to long-term investor, I think in two to three years time, you're not, you're not going to be concerned that you've got, you got bought them at 21 or you could have got them at 20 50 or whatever it gets down to. So, um, yeah, we like the stock and we have a buy recommendation on it. I think in this uh, current market at the moment, we're seeing some weakness. We could see it, uh, you know, extended pullback in the market. Um, you know, you might be able to get a bit cheaper again.
0: Okay. All right. And our, our final stock, we'll need to whip through this reasonably quickly. Francesco Barry wants a view on on Eagers, the, uh, uh, the car and truck. Retailer also, uh, um, you could say they're, they're in the prop- property business as well, because, because they own the land of their dealerships. Yeah, which,
2: which makes it more attractive. I mean, if mm. they didn't own the land, it wouldn't be. Look, their, their motor dealerships, whether they be truck or car, retail or commercial, um, you know, there are supply constraints at the moment. Um, so probably seeing a, a, a little bit slower turnover, even though people are buying cars, and the del- delivery is taking quite a while. Um, look, we we have a buy recommendation on it. I'd be a bit softer than that personally. Um, if you're looking something in the motor industry, I, I like GUD. Um, I, I think it's probably got um, a little bit more security as far as earnings uh, uh, predictions and and, uh, um, and, and, and um, their their dividend um, capacity as well. Uh, there's so so there's a fair bit of predictability in their earnings. Where you know car dealerships say uh, uh, they're going to ebb and flow with the
1: economy with, you know, the virus and so on.
0: Yep. Uh, Howard, what do you think of uh, Eagers?
1: Yeah, it's got quite high return on equity, not at a very high share price, but it's got quite a bit of debt, although that's covered by the land that they own, which is probably in the long term going to be their biggest value. Electric cars are going to make car dealerships shrink. There'll be fewer of them because you won't have to take your car in for service that often. There won't be that much to do with your car when you take it in for service so this is an industry that's on the shrink if i can call it that and in the process therefore um as as francesco was saying probably not the greatest place to put your money i would think that if we look back in 10 years time we would probably find that a lot of these erstwhile car dealerships the land had been developed into something else and was no longer a car dealership that doesn't mean i think there'll be no car dealerships but the amount of land occupied by car dealerships will shrink. So although it's P is relatively low, it's hard for me to get excited about the earnings per share growth over the next five years. So probably a no, um, mainly uh, for that reason. And the fact that the debt's high, although as okay. I say, it's backfired.
0: Great. All right. Howard Coleman from Team Invest and Francesco Distratus from Ords. Thank you, gents, for kicking off the week for us uh, and enjoy the week ahead. You too, say you, Bye. guys. Let's just recap the final five stocks. Uh, REA, a no from Howard. We've got a lighten from Francesco. Uh, a no on Linus uh, from Howard and a, a silk from Francesco. Uh, Star Entertainment, a no from Howard and Accumulate from uh, Ords and Francesco. Corporate Travel, a buy from uh, Ords, a no from Howard and uh, Eagers. Uh, a no from Howard and Francesco prefers GUD. Uh, if you'd like any stocks for us to, to cover and for me to put them to our panel of experts, put them in an email, uh, thecall at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at AusBiz TV handle. Don't forget, you can see all the stocks in the Calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Next week, we'll be unveiling a new uh, a new system for the calls portfolio It'd be very, very exciting indeed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more